Welcome to Your Divorce Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified divorce coach, event expert, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that with a powerful planning partner, you will heal the heartbreak and move forward faster. Without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We have an incredible episode for you today. I have Nikki Smith. She is an end-of-life doula and grief coach. She provides comfort, guidance, and support to the dying and their loved ones from all walks of life with dignity and compassion. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm really, really excited about our conversation today. First of all, I want our listeners to really understand why I chose a death doula to come on our show (laughs) and a grief coach, because I think some of them might be like, well, I'm not dying or like, what's going on with this conversation? But the reason is because divorce, I've realized after going through divorce myself, it has so many elements and energies and experiences that feel somewhat similar to death. And what I realized is I didn't even know what grief was or what grief looked like, or what grief felt like. In fact, I was kind of like, I'm not grieving. I don't need to grieve. I'm okay. And I resisted it. And it's because I hadn't really experienced it much. But Mm -hmm. what I realized over time, and finally, after going through a lot of healing, is that that relationship was so many deaths. Deaths Mm -hmm. of a part of me, deaths of a part of him, deaths of a relationship, deaths of relationships that we shared in in friendships and family members. It was really, really big death, really, yep. really big death. It felt like such deep loss. And then when I realized that that's what it was, I went, oh, I guess I am. Yeah, that's what we call yeah. compound grief. When you've got multiple griefs all morphed into one big fat ball of sad. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So I really want to dig deep into yeah. all of the stuff today. And now our listeners kind of get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But first, maybe you can share a little bit about your story and how you got to doing this work. Why this? Why now? Yeah, absolutely. So I've always kind of felt passionate about working with the dying um, and the death positive movement. There's a lot of stigma around death, dying, grief, all that, that has always bothered me. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that's just sat in the back of my brain forever. And, uh, I mean, I've got a background in corporate America. That's where I've been most of my life. And then like everybody, when COVID hit, I was, I was stuck at home, you know, with my husband and we were just really, we, I think we both did a lot of life reevaluation at that point. Like where, you know, what are we doing? Are we happy? And my husband's thrilled. He was, he works in theater and he was very sad when he was laid off for so long. I was not, I was so happy to, I mean, I wasn't laid off, but I was so happy to not go into my office that I started realizing I hate my job. <laughs> I don't like what I do. I like hate's a strong word, but it's not me. And I've always felt like I've been I've meant to do something more meaningful with my life. So I sat down with a life coach and uh <laughs> I met with her, you know, online several times and we walked through like everything in my life that I'm passionate about and she just like she was the push I needed to just say, "All right, let's just do this." So I went through my training for end-of-life doula work first, got finished with that, set up my LLC, and then I discovered grief coaching. And I was like, well, I have to do that. I mean, it's it was a nice side you know, thing to add to because with death comes grief. But I had also started recognizing that this a lot of this ties in with some stuff I had been through. And I suffered a bit of a mental health episode a few years back. And it was like the third therapist I went to that finally was like, Nikki, you're grieving. And it just never occurred to me that what I was feeling was grief over and not, it wasn't all death loss too. There were several other things that happened in my life. And I was like, oh my God, this is grief. (laughs) And once I knew that I could work on it and it helped so much just to kind of have that, that label to it. So I thought, God, if there's more people out there that are suffering and don't recognize that they're actually grieving, I need to, I need to get in there and help those people. So yeah. That's so powerful. And I'm so glad, you know, that COVID times brought this work to your life. Same. Beautiful, (laughs) beautiful gift we can take away from that, right? 
I I really am curious what you've come across in grieving because you had mentioned your own experience. Mm-hmm. What have you seen where people don't recognize grief? I mean, I didn't recognize it through divorce, which mm-hmm. maybe to some people sounds silly, but to me, I was like, well, it's not a death death. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What right. other areas in our life do we not maybe recognize that we're grieving? Well, any loss is going to bring grief. It doesn't oh. have to be death. The, you know, the loss of a job. Yes. Um, my parents went through, they had a summer or a winter home down in Florida and Hurricane Ian hit last year and their their home was destroyed. And that was a huge loss for them. That was a form of grief there too for them. And I mean, that was a winter home, you know, first world problems you could, you could say, but I mean, other people lost their only home. Yes. You know, they've lost everything. That's a huge grief. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times you might not put two and two together. You're feeling like crap all the time. You're depressed. You're angry. You know, you're just having all these emotions you don't understand. And then there's this loss over here and you're not connecting those two dots. Sometimes it takes an outside person to kind of pick your brain a little bit and say, what's gone on in your life? And then they say, okay, well, what you're experiencing is grief. Right. And then when you label it, right? Mm-hmm. It, for me, it was comfort, comforting. To yes. Go, oh, yes. It, it is that. It wasn't mm-hmm. a bad thing. It was a really, really healthy thing for me. Yeah. But then you go, okay, but now, now what? what do I now do? What? <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. I mean, great. I've got some grief, but now what? Right. And the other thing is, I love what you said about death as a stigma bothering you. I have the same passion around divorce. There is so much stigma around divorce, which is why I love that your podcast is called Good Grief. It's like the perception of grief. What are some of the stigmas around death that get people stuck? Honestly, just talking about it is hard. Nobody wants to talk about death and dying. And in the past, like, 200 years or so within our culture, we've slowly pushed it away from us. I mean, you look back to just like around Civil War times, like that's when embalming was invented was during the Civil War, because people wanted to see their soldiers, their loved ones who were killed in combat, they wanted to see them again, Mm. and give them a proper burial. So, you know, the scientists came up with the perfect solution of formaldehyde and other chemicals to preserve the body. But I mean, even like prior to even during that time, we were taking our our deceased relatives and just laying them on the dining room table and letting people come over to have a wake, have a meal. And then we buried them ourselves. Like this whole funeral industry didn't come around until the last like 150 years. And since that came about, it started out like this is a nice convenience. You know, you don't have to do this. Let us do it. And now it's become a multi-billion dollar industry that's commanding they do it. And because of things like that, we don't have it in our homes. We don't have it in front of us all the time. So now Mm -hmm. it's like this mystical thing that somebody else handles. And it's something that we don't, we haven't, our society hasn't really permissioned us to openly talk about. It hasn't been normalized. It hasn't been this thing Mm -hmm. where I also feel like when you're on the other side of it and this happens, like, I love how you said grief is attached to any loss, any loss, any loss, evaluate, Mm -hmm. is there grief here or there is grief here? Like Mm -hmm. what is here? But I think the people on the other side of it who care about you don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Don't know how to respond to it. Don't know how to. So like, what have you seen as a doula, a death doula? What have you seen on the other side? Do you also help people in that space who don't really know how to interact with their, Mm -hmm. that kind of loss? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's actually my most downloaded podcast episode is what to say and what not to say to somebody who's grieving. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. It's scary for other people. And my number one thing is don't be afraid of somebody because they're grieving. Because a lot of times, you know, you're, let's say a coworker just lost their spouse. That's a, that's a huge loss for them. And you see them the next day at work and you're like, uh, 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 and you don't know what to say and you clam up and you're, it's like, don't be scared of them. They're still the same person. They're hurting. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like it's, it's not going to rub off on you. And the number one thing I hear from people is like, well, I don't, I don't want to like bring it up and upset them. I'm like, I promise you, you're not going to remind them their spouse died. They didn't forget. They didn't forget. (laughs) Nobody's going to forget their loss. It's there. They might really appreciate having somebody care enough to ask. Yeah. What's one example of what not to say? Oh man, that's a long list. (laughs) (laughs) 
because I don't want to give away no. all your golden nuggets. Like folks no, can go listen okay. to that on I the show, but they're all, yeah, that's fine. I would say one thing that bothers me most is I hate to put this one out there, but this is one that bothers me the most when people say it was all in God's plan. And I recognize that that's one of the things that's coming from a, a very good space and people mean well by that. But if, like if I were to have lost a child and somebody told me that was in God's plan, I would ask you what kind of God would take away my baby. Yeah. So maybe you firmly believe that and that is fine. Don't mm. say that. It's mm. it's really hard. And some people might take it well, but I think a lot of people, if a grief is fresh, they're not going to respond well to something like that. They're going to lash back. So just ease up on those type of platitudes or, yeah. you know, it'll get better over time or things like just. Mm. Yeah. 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 Those are icky. <laughs> Time will heal your wounds is yeah. one that always salted my wounds going through yeah. divorce. Like, yeah, Heidi, time will heal. And I'm just like, yeah, no, I don't know. There's no I, timeline for grief. There is yeah. no timeline. Yeah. And say, to, say more about that. Yeah. Well, to tell somebody you'll get over it in time. First of all, you never get over your grief. And that's never that's a hard pill for people to swallow that. Because in your brain, you're thinking, oh, God, so I'm going to be this sad forever. No, yes. of course not. But like I lost my my brother eight years ago yesterday, actually. Wow. And like I still grieve him every day. You know, I, I grieve the fact that I don't have a brother anymore and that he's gone. But am I still as like achingly sad as day one? No, of course not. Yeah. The, that grief has helped. I mean, it's helped me discover this you know, new profession, this line of work, but also it's just, it's helped shape who I am as a person. So your grief stays with you, but it's not, that's not a bad thing, you know? Mm. So you're never, you're never going to get over it. It's going to be there, you know, for the rest of your life, but it's, it's going to change and it's going to get, it'll, it will get easier. I love how you said it's going to change. I think that yeah. phrase alone is really, really helpful because mm -hmm. Although sometimes we resist change when you're in a space and you feel like you're always going to feel like this. That's one thing that I get with divorced mm -hmm. women. They're like, is it going to feel like this forever? Mm -hmm. Am I going to feel so alone? Am mm -hmm. I ever going to stop crying? No, yeah. Yeah. it's going to, I mean, it's going to change. Yeah. You're, you'll still have days. I've been divorced since 2015 and I have a new partner now and I really, really love my life. And it helped me mm -hmm. learn so much about myself. I've gone through a lot of reflection, but I still have moments where sometimes, even though we decided together to get the divorce, mm -hmm. it was kind of, it was a different situation than some people face. Mm -hmm. It still is, it was a major loss and I still feel elements of that mm -hmm. relationship and all that. I've, I've shifted the narrative around it to go, wow, this is here to remind me that I had some really beautiful moments in my marriage. Exactly. Yeah. Relationship was not yeah. wasted. It's okay if you miss people on occasion. It's okay if you get mm -hmm. sad from time to time. It's yeah. okay if you remember some really beautiful moments and it makes you sad that it's not here. It doesn't necessarily yeah. mean in my case, like I'm craving him back. And I right. wish he was back here. Unlike, I'm sure that you do wish your brother was back. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people wish that their loved ones were back. Yeah. I, I don't have that sense within me, but I do have moments where that grief, it never goes away. Mm -hmm. It hits me in ways that I une unexpectedly feel. Yeah. But instead of pushing it away, now mm -hmm. I just welcome it in and I just kind of take a beat to go, like cry about it and and give gratitude for the moments that brought me to where I am now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And early on in your early grief, you're going to be, it's going to be focusing more on what's not there, what's gone. And then yeah. as you move on, you can start focusing on what was there Ooh. and just the appreciation and the gratitude for what was there. And because if, if you take nothing else away from this today, people listening, grief is love. If there was no love, there would be no grief. So remember that. When you're really hurting, it's because you really loved whatever it was you lost or whomever. That statement is so powerful. <laughs> Oof. Grief is yeah. love. It really is about that duality of emotions too, isn't it? Right? It's mm -hmm. like, if we don't feel pain, we can't experience mm -hmm. joy. If we don't have grief. We can't experience deep love. Yeah. It's, it's really the risk that we take to be in yeah. deep, mature love is... Mm -hmm. At some point, 
we're going to lose it. We're going to leave this earth or someone else is going to leave this earth or they're going to remove themselves from our lives or be removed from our lives. And Mm -hmm. it will be felt at some point. What is a death doula and what's the role and responsibility of a death doula? (laughs) Yeah. So our, our responsibilities are vast and it really depends on the client we're working with or the family we're working with and what they want. I do a lot of speaking right now. I do a lot of education uh, on end of life, advanced directives, paperwork, things like that, the boring crap. But (laughs) (laughs) those are important things everybody needs to know. But I do anything from just facilitating conversations with family. Mm. A lot of times when a terminal diagnosis has come in, it's hard to talk about. So I can help walk somebody through how to have this conversation with their loved ones. Or even just, you know, mom and dad are sitting around one day and they're saying, we're in our 70s now. We should probably discuss this. But their kids are like, I don't want to talk about you dying. So having a mediator come in to just help facilitate the conversation is huge sometimes. Um, I've done that a a handful of times. But, you know, when somebody is dying and they, you know, are terminal, only have a few months left and they contact me, I would hope people contact me earlier rather than later. (laughs) So I have more time to work. But I can help do things like getting hospice set up, um, getting mm. them. I've done that before. Most people usually have that in place already when they contact me, but not always because mm. not everybody understands how hospice works. So I can help walk them through that process, get them set up so we can start hospice. From there, I can work with the dying on any grief they're experiencing because they're going to experience grief too because their life is is ending, right? And they may have, at this point, they may have limited mobility, they might have limited speech, like other things might be slowly going away from them. And that's a grief as well. But uh, my favorite thing is to work through life meaning, because Ooh. I I can't bear the thought of anybody dying feeling like they weren't important, or their life didn't have Ugh. meaning, right? So I just kind of help work them through that and think, let's Let's really, you know, hone in on the, all the amazing things you've done, the people you've met and how you've impacted them so they can leave feeling more fulfilled. Wow. Um, yeah. I feel like that's something that I want to do right now in my life. Right? And I can right? do that with people anytime <laughs> in their life. You don't have to be actively dying for me to come in and help you review your life. I'm happy to do it whenever. I love how you just said that, review your life, yeah. um, because I think this is very applicable to divorce. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we do is really focus on how to, how to, I call it coordinate your comeback, how to create your next ch- chapter after mm-hmm. being in this space in this place of that feels very confusing, very unknown, yeah. very yeah. unfamiliar, very uncomfortable a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But something that you, we don't dig deep, 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 deep in is life meaning. Yeah. Life meaning. Mm-hmm. We all want to have a purposeful, like so many of us, yeah. I shouldn't say all, but I think many of us want to have yeah. a purposeful, meaningful life and legacy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And why is it that we wait until it's the end or nearing the end mm-hmm. to review and evaluate life? Why do you think yeah. we do? Why do you think I, it is? I always say you don't think about where your passport is until the house is on fire. Like that's, that's my best analogy. It's like, do you, do you sit every day and think now where's my passport? Where's my social security card? No, you think of it when, oh God, I'm leaving for an international flight in five minutes. I don't know where the hell my, oh, sorry, pardon my French. I don't know where my passport is. Uh, Yeah. It takes something like that. And that's one thing I've brought up in some of the talks I've given is death is actually a gift. And I know that sounds weird at first hear that sentence of death being a gift, but it can be because when we lose somebody close to us, that'll shake us to the point like life is not long. Life is short. Yeah. And it can be taken from us at any moment. Like Mm -hmm. you can be young and healthy and get hit by a bus. Like things like that happen. Young people get cancer. Like, you know, this, it makes it real. At any, it does. It So it's in a way, it's a gift because it, it reminds us that we are mortal. I know yeah. we all like to think that we will live forever, but we won't. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. You know, my niece, she just turned 15 this year and she ended up in emergency hospital and surgery for 18 days. Children's oh, hospital, hospital went from like healthy, just fine kid living her best life to mm-hmm. boom. And that is what yeah. you just described of mm-hmm. we haven't ex- 
experience that kind of shake in our family mm-hmm. in a really long time. It may be never. And yeah. having someone look like they're near death and mm-hmm. there's an, a chance right in front of your face that you could lose them. Oh, I feel yeah. that in my whole body yeah. when I say this. Yeah. It really adjusts your internal and mind frame around what's available to you in relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And pulls out of the woodworks parts of you that you didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Relationship connections that you didn't even know were available. I mean, my relationship now, my relationship with my sisters has always been great, but now it is even greater because mm-hmm. of that experience that we had of possible near loss. Even the thought of losing her shifted us. Yeah. Made us go, whoa, made me go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Hold on. What's important to me now? Yeah. And that happens in divorce too. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that I learned so much more about myself and what I want for myself and who I am and what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. What I'm capable of expanding and holding so many things. Yeah. So many things. It's hard to remember who you are as a person outside of a relationship sometimes. So, well, most times, right? So in a case of a divorce, trying to remember who you are by yourself without that other person is huge. And that, that takes time. That absolutely can take time. Yeah. What kinds of life meanings? if you're able to share, have <laughs> popped up when you've done these reviews of life that made you think, wow, I've never heard that before. Anything that's kind of uh, really inspired you or surprised you or simple at that five things for you, anything. There's nothing that's really like shocked or surprised me, but yeah. I have had, I had one client who was pretty, I don't want to say estranged from her adult children, but they didn't really have much of a relationship. There's a lot of family drama that went on. And uh, when I first started working with her, she's like, I don't need my kids here. I don't want them here. You can tell them, but whatever. You know, she just didn't really want to have that involvement with them. But by the end, they were both at her side as she was actively dying. Like they were, everybody was able to just kind of put aside their crap because, you know, they came to the real, I didn't have to even tell them because I've prepared myself for the day. I'm going to have to talk to an estranged relative to be like, this is it. They're going to be gone and you're going to have to get over your crap for five minutes and be with them because it's the only chance you're going to get. Once they're gone, they're gone. You won't get another chance. But luckily, knock on wood, I have not had that conversation yet. And, you know, their two kids, her two kids were like, this is it. Mom's going to be gone. So Mm. they were able to kind of put all that aside to be with her. So which is so beautiful. That's why I love and this work is so fulfilling. It's just beautiful to see those moments. Wow. It's amazing how much. We can put up walls and Mm -hmm. put up things in our way when Mm -hmm. we haven't been willing to process the hurt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I did not have a great relationship with my brother when he passed away, which is one of those things that I'm stuck with for the rest of my life is knowing that, you know, I didn't really get to, it's not like we were, you know, vehemently hated each other or anything, but there were a lot of things that went on that, you know, kind of pulled us apart from each other. And yeah, uh, you know, his his death was unexpected. So that's just yeah. going to be there, unfortunately. I just felt that really heavy in my chest. Just yeah. it, it's really that reminder of what are you still holding on to that's keeping you yeah. away from having more intimate relationships yeah. in your life? It's like, what what can I release? And it's, yeah. it's so fragile. It really I is. Drop your grudges, people. Drop your grudges. Drop your grudges. Yeah. (laughs) Let them go. They're so not important in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And it's amazing how much we think we're going to gain by holding on to it. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Really nothing. No one gains anything. Nope. No one. Nobody's winning. Everybody's just waiting. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. One of the things on your website, I really liked how you put it. You said grief is hard. Grief can make you feel isolate. Let me walk with you on your journey was so, because you really do feel like you're alone or you want to isolate yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So can you talk a little bit about being a grief coach and what grief is? Yeah, absolutely. So 
With grieving, like you just said, you found from our website, it can be very isolating. And a lot of times when people are grieving, they will hold it into themselves. And it's not even on purpose. It's just one of those things we feel like we don't want to bother people. I don't know if it's like in a Midwestern thing or an yes. American thing or a Western culture thing, but it's a lot of times we feel like I don't want to bother people with this. And then we just keep it in and it just festers and bubbles and we never process it. Sometimes it takes a complete stranger to reach out and say, it's okay. Talk to me about it. Because yes. if I don't know, you know, if I don't know that person personally and just met them, like I obviously have no judgments on it. I wouldn't anyway, because that's not my place. But a lot of times that's part of the fear of talking about our griefs is there's a fear of judgment. It's like, well, they've known me for 50 years. I don't want them to know like I'm hurting or I feel this way or I have this weird emotion. Sometimes it takes an impartial third party to just be like, no, what you're feeling is totally normal. It's good. Yeah. Talk to me, let it out. To have somebody not involved in the process to just dump your feelings out onto. It um, is. But much like working with a life coach, when I talked about my journey of coming here, like I always knew I liked this line of work, but it I never thought of actually doing it until I finally had somebody in my corner saying, yeah, just do it already. Sometimes you need that push to just say, let's talk about this. Let's work through it, you know? And it's not, it's not your mom who yep. believes in you. You know, yep. it's not, it's not your sibling. It's not yep. your bestie. It's not your partner right. being like, yeah, you got this. It's literally yeah. someone who doesn't know a whiff about you and right. goes, hold on a minute. I see uh, that for you. Yeah. It's like dealing with any type of mental illness or depression. You can talk to your best friend or your parent about it, but sometimes you need a professional that deals yeah. with it all the time and yeah. has been trained in it to say, you know, here's what we can do. Here's what's normal. Here's what's not normal. You know? Yeah. yeah. Somebody who really, really understands it and gets it. And I remember feeling like that going through divorce. It's a big part of why I love doing what I do right now is feeling like, like you said, I don't want to bother anybody with this. I mean, my mom would faint if she heard me say that. Like it, she yeah. would love to have loved nothing more than for me to come in and tell her all the things. But I also had the story of, I don't want to bring anybody down. Yeah. I had the story of myself yeah. of, oh man, I feel so bad. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, they're going to be down here with me just feeling like I'm feeling. And then we're going to be stuck together. And the more stuck people we have together, that's not going to help anybody. So it was all those kinds of things yeah. that really held me back. And it had, I had somebody. Yeah. that could hold space the way that you yeah. do to help me understand and navigate that, that would have been yeah. really, really special yeah. and helpful. And helpful. Yeah. Just knowing that there, because like I know my mom always says the phrase, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to bother you. And I say, I find myself saying that too, but like, let me be that burden. I'm happy to hold it for a while. I'm going to let it go at some point because <laughs> that's what I have to, I can't hold your stuff forever, <laughs> but I'm happy to just, just knowing there's somebody out there who, gives a crap and is holding that for you is that alone is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, especially if you don't have like a big friend circle or, you know, group of yes. confidants just to know somebody out there really gives a crap. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I always say to my clients, grief, grief in order to heal needs to be witnessed. Mm -hmm. It actually does need to be seen and yeah. heard and yeah, felt you can. and witnessed. Yeah. If you think of grief as a hole in the ground, you can't turn your back and walk away from it. The only way around it is through. Yeah. Oof. You you also have a quote that I really liked that said, uh, death is not a medical experience. It's a human experience. Yes. Can you say more about that? Yeah. It's. I mean, it's like birth. It's just the other end of things, right? I mean, yeah. we think of birth being a medical. It's not. It's yeah. something that happens. We don't animals don't go to the hospital to be born or to die. Neither do we. It's something that happens, but it's also something that we need to recognize is because when you think of medical things, you think you again, it's that pushing it away from me and not dealing with it. No, death is something that's going to happen to all of us, mm. whether we're in a hospital or in the middle of a field somewhere in the middle of nowhere, it's, it's going to happen. So it isn't it interesting to too? I like how you said the spectrum of, of life and death at birth and mm -hmm. death. We love talking about birth. Oh, yeah. Right. New life is great. 
new life and all the Death things. Death is not. And, right? <laughs> and know. we have no problem. There's no shyness around that. And mm-hmm. e- even, even when there's trauma around birth, yeah, we, we tend to speak more openly about it and more hopeful and yeah. uh, things around it and really rallying around it, um, mm-hmm. more communication around it. But it yeah. just has those stigmas, like you yeah. said. Do people grieve differently? Do people grieve differently? Oh, yeah. Of course. I mean, yeah, it's like anything. Everybody does their process very differently. Some people like to talk. Some people like to just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about it. And that's fine. Some people don't. Some people like to sit quietly and reflect. Some people work great through like physical activities, moving, writing, music, singing, dancing. Mm. Some people just, prefer to sit quietly, you know, it's, everybody's a little bit different on how they process it. So it's kind of up to me to figure that out, you know, early on, like what kind of personality does this person have? Are they going to want to talk about it? Some people will just vomit words. (laughs) They'll just (laughs) talk incessantly. This happened. This is how I'm hurting. This is why this is how I feel. Other people might need to be prompted more. You might have to ask them more questions and they're going to give shorter answers. So you got to kind of pick what you can out of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, is there any type of framework that you use or process you use to walk people through their grief? What does the healing journey look like? It's going to be different for every person. Mm. Sometimes I I've had a couple of people I've had one conversation with them and that was all they needed. They just needed to know that there was somebody in their corner and somebody to tell them everything you're feeling is normal, it's okay. And that was it. Other people take a little more time and it's it's also going to depend on you know, what type of history this person has is, have they had a lot of losses? Have, is this mm. the first one, you know, sometimes when people have had experienced multiple losses, it's not easier. Grief and, and processing never gets easier, but it's different because you're like, well, I've felt this before. Yeah. <laughs> I know where this goes. So it's a different process for everybody. But first things first, let's talk about the loss. Let's talk about what it is that's gone. What did you love about this person or thing? You know, yeah. what, what made it so painful? Like, why is it so like, what did you love so much? Like, let's get that out in the open. Just sometimes just getting people talking. And that's, I mean, you know, you're a life coach. So once you get people going, they do it on their own. They they do 90% of the work on their own. It's just up to us to kind of keep pushing them in that right direction. Yeah, it really is, is just holding that safe space and helping Mm -hmm. navigate through the pace that's best for them. Like, Mm -hmm we know what pace is best for us. And so you can't really rush the process. It's, it's really, yeah. really is unique to each person. Mm-hmm. I've listened to a little bit of your podcast, so I'm I'm a fan already. But you have an episode on good grief called The Six Central Needs of Mourning. Yes. Would you be willing to share those needs with us? Because I'm curious what we need in order to process our grief. Yeah. So before I answer that, uh, there is a difference between grief and mourning. Ooh, um, yeah. Let's talk about so that first. What's it's, the difference? It's, I mean, it's a one sentence explanation, but grief is the loss, the thing, and the mourning is the act of grieving. So one oh. is more of like a noun, one more is one is more of a verb. And grief mm. is used as a verb as grieving, and that's that's fine. They're interchangeable, but and that was something I learned that put me on the process learning, you know, what I was experiencing a few years ago was grief was like, you need to mourn these losses. Ooh. And I, I never thought to do that, because especially if it's a grief that's not a death loss. You don't think about mourning like a, a divorce, the end of a relationship yeah, or the loss of a job. You don't think about mourning that, but that's no. what you, that's kind of just another fancy way of saying processing your grief. Ooh. Um, yeah. But the. Step number one for the first central need is is just it's almost like step one in Alcoholics Anonymous. You have to admit was what admit what happened, face the grief like this happened. Ooh. Just basically facing the reality of it, which sometimes that's the hardest step. <laughs> yeah, I just, just acknowledging say, okay, it. this happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, and then step two is you have to feel it. You have to. And that, again, that's the hard, it's, it's so hard when people hear these things from me and they're like, I don't want to though. Can't you just make it go away? <laughs> no. Yeah. And there's a difference too to. between, between noticing that you're feeling different mm-hmm. and actually feeling into yeah. that space mm-hmm. within you where it's yeah. living and it is just yep. 
refusing to let go of its grip. Yeah. Yeah. It is different than going, ah, you know, I don't feel quite like myself and actually going, whoa, I, I'm yeah. in mourning and it's in me. I always tell people, feel whatever you're feeling. If you're angry, be angry. Yeah. That's a, like, don't lash out at other people if you can help it. But if that's what you're feeling that day, feel it. Feel it to the nth degree. Like, just go outside and scream at the sky. Whatever you have to do. Yeah. If you're sad, cry. If you're depressed, be depressed. Like, just feel these feelings. Don't ignore them. Yeah. They're there for a reason. Yeah. But yeah. Another huge step is remembering the loss. Like, if it was a person or place or thing or whatever, just take time to remember them, you know? Mm. How, how do you recommend people go through that remembrance? Like, so... There are several different things we can do, but one of my favorite things is when I work with the dying, I can I give them the opportunity to create a legacy project, Ooh. which is something they can leave behind for their family, be it like a, a video, a book, a box mm. of letters, a like, I don't mm. know, a quilt, like uh, it's just something filled with memories that they can leave behind. Ah. Um, so you could do that, you know, make something of all the thoughts, all the feelings you had for this thing that you've lost or this person you've lost. Like, even if you just make a book that's like a handwritten like journal or something of all these, everything you felt, everything you've been with through with this, this person or this thing, and then burn it, whatever works best for you. But just remembering, remembering those things and why this hurts is, it's huge. Mm, yeah. Oof. Just including it, including yeah. all of that. In the yeah. process. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so good. So good. Um, oh, the next step would be developing your new self-identity, which Ooh, we talked about that a little bit with the big uh, one. With the uh with divorces, trying to find yourself as you without your other person. Yeah. Is... It's it's huge, right? Because mm -hmm. you've been someone's significant other mm -hmm. for a while, and maybe you found your significance through that, not realizing yeah. that that's what's happening, yeah. and then they're not available. Mm -hmm. They're not available. I, that happened to me in my yeah. divorce. I was like, wait a minute. We, we, it was a, we, instead of a him and a me, it mm -hmm. just meshed into a, we, and then I, it, yeah. we weren't a, we anymore. Okay. So yeah. now what I do without the we-ness. <laughs> yeah, I know. And especially if it's somebody you've been with since like high school or yeah. younger, even if it's the only person you've had in your life romantically, like you're, you've grown as a person with them. So now yeah. trying to find out who you are without them is, can be, and it, uh, the size of that job will depend on the size of that relationship, you know? Ooh, that's a good, great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. What's number five? To search for meaning. Oh, <laughs> this one feels so big. <laughs> I know. And it's kind of tied in with self-identity, but to find your new why, your new life, mm. because let's face it, without whatever it is you've lost, it's gone and you have to find a new purpose, a new way, a new life. So yeah, There's those a, two are kind of tied together, but yeah, they are. It's interesting. I read a book. I'm, I, I don't know the exact name, but I think it's called the seventh stage of grief, maybe the Ooh. eighth stage of grief. Okay. And that stage is meaning. Uh, yeah. So it's not in a traditional grief model mm -hmm. as a lot of people use. I think, I don't know how many stages you subscribe to, but I think there's five or six or something like that. Mm -hmm. And this one's like, and yeah. meaning mm -hmm. is yeah. what a lot of times is missing. And people kind of go through all these phases of grief in different orders mm -hmm. and different ebbs and flows of them because yeah. it's not linear. It's kind of like, just, yeah. they just yeah, pop it's, up it's in different big, ways. A big messy ball. <laughs> a big messy <laughs> ball. But then they kind of go, all right, now it's really none of that anymore, but now what? And that meaning thing that you just said, like search for meaning is mm -hmm. what they say, one of the grief stages yeah. that actually helps catapult you into that next yeah. um, identity for yourself. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's beautiful. Absolutely. I love that. And what's your number six? Number six is learning how to receive ongoing support from others. Ooh, that gave me goosebumps. That can be a hard one for people. That is, that is a, I know I'm one of those people. I really struggle with accepting support sometimes. A lot of us do. It's not, a, it's not terribly unusual, but learning to know that you're going to need support sometimes. I love that one so much <laughs> because I think you can get really curious around it mm -hmm. now 
thank you for taking the time to share these six things. Because, yeah, of course. Um, I go I into think, more of them in depth in that podcast episode yes. if you want to look for it. Yes, go to that podcast. Uh, we'll we'll put it in the show notes as well. But I think if if we maybe even use a lot of these things now in our lives, similar to the life meaning and review mm-hmm. of your life, if we start actually digging into some of those things now, mm-hmm. we can better understand who we are as it relates to where we're at in our life, and then mm-hmm. perhaps when grief shows itself, reveals itself unexpectedly, we can go wow, hold on a second. Like Mm -hmm. now where am I at with these things and reevaluate. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think these are really great questions for self-growth in general. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. These are things, like I said, you're not thinking about where your passport is every day. You're thinking about when the house is burning down. (laughs) Maybe every now and then sit back and say, all right, where's my passport? Right. Right. (laughs) Yes, exactly. What's my plan? Exactly. Um, Yeah. That's, and that's something else I do as a death doula sometimes with younger people, just get a plan, have a plan, know what your plan is, get your advanced directive paperwork done. Yeah. Directive paperwork done. I will remind you, you have to, you have to have things out and planned ahead of time. Yeah. It makes things so much easier. What is advanced direct paperwork? Because I'm going to write this down because I don't even know what that is and I'm not going to be shy about it. It sounds like something (laughs) I need to do now. (laughs) Yeah. That's your living will, your final will, your healthcare power of attorney, your financial power of attorney and guardianship. Those are the big five. You don't need all five. And that's Mm. something I can help you. Something I can do is to help you decide which ones you need. Guardianship is more for like, if uh, you're diagnosed with dementia, Alzheimer's, or some type of illness that will decrease your mental capacities so that you have somebody who will be your legal guardian. Mm. Yeah. Power of attorneys are huge. Like if something happens to you, you don't want your finances going into probate. Mm. That is messy. Mm. Not always super messy, but it will take time. You will not be able to get your hands on that money for a chunk of time for a while. So this is interesting. The only one reason that I know that one is because, so I I went through a name change after divorce Mm -hmm. and my parents had done all of their wills in their, in their forties. And now they just turned 70 this year. And my mom, I remember my mom called me and she said, I love you. And I'm really proud of you for changing your name. But I hope you know that it's going to cost me a little bit of cash. I'm like, what? I paid for it. She goes, I'm just teasing you, but but we got to rewrite the whole will because your mm-hmm. last name changed it. And it really is. It's those little things. Yeah. She goes, if you want to have any money when I'm gone, and she kind of made a joke of it. But the reality was, is like, she's like, power of attorney and where things go and how, how they yep. happen. It's got to, yeah. however it is in writing will affect yeah. how right. treacherous or easy or difficult right. that scenario will be. And, and it can be really hard on, on your loved ones mm-hmm. when you have to move through some of that stuff. So yeah, I would say if nothing else, get your healthcare power of attorney filled out because that's, that's the directive that will tell hospitals, doctors, do you want life sustaining, you know, help, or do you want to put it bluntly, have them pull the plug. <laughs> if yeah. you're in a persistent vegetative state, like the decisions that would be made if you're unable to make them about your health and wellness. Yeah. Because if you're one of those people who are like, no, God, leave me on life support as long as you can in case I wake. Okay. That's your choice to make, but get it in writing. <laughs> mm, great so. advice. Great advice. What does good grief mean? What is good grief? Well, I don't hate that I use that term, but because I hate I hate the stigma of using good and bad. Good with and bad. Yeah. Yeah. There, I hear. there are no good or bad emotions. They're just emotions, right? Sure. Sure. But grief is stigmatized as bad all the time. Yeah. And it's not. Grief is not bad. Grief, like I said earlier, grief is love. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you're grieving means you loved whatever XYZ was. So like it's good. It's good to grieve. If you're not grieving, then you're never gonna get better. You're never gonna get past the bad feeling, not the bad feelings, but you're never going to get past the hardest part of it. You have to yeah. grieve. So it's good to yeah. grieve. It is good to grieve. Grief is good. Because I do love that you say in your space, like grief doesn't have to suck. It doesn't. Grief does not have to <laughs> suck. It does suck, but it doesn't have to suck. <laughs> it doesn't have to suck. I, I also like to have the perspective of we can choose to use grief as growth. And to me, that's the greatest gift that that we can yeah. have. I mean, the greatest Absolutely. gift is what you said is grief is love. That 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 mm-hmm. is the greatest gift. But on mm-hmm. top of that, in moving forward, 
through our grief with our grief, like really with our grief. Cause I think sometimes people just try to go like, I'm, I'm going to get through my grief and on with life. And I love how earlier you said, like you never get over your grief. So I actually think if you can link arms with your grief, the buddy system Mm -hmm. and trailblaze together and really partner together, there's so much growth to be had. There's so much lessons to be learned. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Grief, grief makes us who we are. It, depending on how you handle it, it can make you a better person. It can make you a worse person. Yeah. Or it can just make you feel better or yeah. feel worse. Yeah, exactly. Right? Can you talk a little bit about milestone moments and navigating grief through those things like holidays, oh, like holiday, birthdays, yeah. like yeah. I know, especially for, I mean, for people in divorce, these milestone moments mm-hmm. can be such a bugger. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I'm actually planning on doing a whole episode on milestone moments. So it's not, oh, it's not for a while yet, but I've, it's on my list. But no, it the biggest thing is recognizing them, right? Don't try to pretend like they're not coming. You know, they're coming. Yes. Um, did do an episode on holidays with grief. Um, okay. Like again, recognize you're grieving, recognize you're hurting and know that, right? Give yourself some grace. If, yes. if this year is the year that you can't be the one to host Christmas, don't. Nothing, the world will not stop turning because you didn't cook the turkey this year. I promise you. Some people might be disappointed, but that's their problem, not yours. Yeah. So just recognize it's coming. Give yourself and give yourself some grace. If you decide you want to go to that birthday party, give yourself an out. If you think if you get there and it's like, I can't handle this, leave. Yeah. Again, the world's not going to stop turning. Nobody's going to die because you had to take off a little bit early. Park, yeah. don't park, your, don't park your car right up next to the building, park a little farther away in case somebody blocks you. <laughs> don't get parked in, but, <laughs> have an exit just, plan. Yeah. And when you wake up that day, see how you're feeling. If you're like, screw it, I'm all in today. I'm going to celebrate my ex-husband's birthday. I, even though we're not together, this was our anniversary. I'm going to go get, have a drink with my girlfriends tonight. Mm. I'm going to go out to dinner. And if you're like, I want to sit and cry on the couch and drink wine and watch Hallmark movies, do that. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever you're feeling, go with it. Allow yourself to feel your feelings. Don't try to hide them. Mm. I love to tell my clients, give yourself permission. Like you said, yes. give yeah. yourself permission to just go in the moment. So you right. evaluate how you feel. If you really don't want to miss that birthday party or that 4th of July party or that whatever thing, like if you don't want to, and your body's like, go, yeah. just give yourself permission to show up. Yeah. Give yourself permission to do the next thing that feels good. And when it starts not feeling good anymore, give yourself permission to leave yeah. without any, we we try to think like we have to have a reason and you don't mm-hmm. have to explain yourself to anybody. It can just be enough of, I'm good. This, yeah. this is good. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Goodbye. Yeah. The other thing that I know hits my girls a lot is being invited to weddings mm. when they're newly divorced. Yeah. And I remember the first wedding that I got invited to after divorce and I, it was for one of my best friends and I was like, I, I have to go to this. There's no, like, I have to suck it up. I have to go. And what I tell the girls now is that what I wish I would have done is called my best friend. Mm-hmm. She knew what I was going through and said, mm-hmm. I want to be there for you, but I want to know that, you know, I may not stay for the whole thing. I may not be the way that you're used to me being, get myself off the hook of what I thought other people expected me to show up and what other people expected me to do and be. And, and I told her, you know, if I'm crying in the pews, when you're saying your vows, it's, you know, I might be mourning. Yeah. Telling your friends, like I may not, these may not be tears of joy because you look so beautiful. I'm, I may be really sad and like, it's not, it's not on you. Yeah. And give yourself permission to feel that. And by the way, if you're the person having the wedding and you've got this friend that was recently divorced, go ahead and invite them. Like yeah. I've just talked about that recently, like with yes. acceptance. It's like it's a lot of times people are like, well, I don't know. They they might not feel like coming to this party because they mm. have just went through that. No. And let them decide that. Let them decide if they want to be present or not. So if you're getting married and your best friend just got divorced, invite them to the wedding anyway. And if they can't make it, they can't make it. If they yeah. can, then they will be there to celebrate you. Like, 
Mm. Let them make that choice. Don't make it for, I hate it when people make choices for other people. Never do that. (laughs) I love, that's great advice for, you know, what to say to people, which is like, let them make the decision, be the inviter, be the understander, let them make the decision. Another thing that I think people did to bit how they worked with me was uh, I had a lot of couple friends because that's the Mm -hmm. phase we were in our life. And the couple friends would go, like, let's just not tell her because then she's going to be hurt when she comes over yeah. a solo and we're all like coupled up. And I was like, why am I getting left out of my friend circles? I already lost half of my friend circle because half went this way and half went this way. Like I can't, yeah. I can't afford to lose you guys. So, so don't leave me out. I'll, I'll make the choice. Yeah. I'll yeah, make the exactly. choice. I'll leave if it's uncomfortable, like, yeah. you know, so I love, I love, 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 love that. We are nearing the end of our show time together, yeah. but what's, what's one thing, maybe it's something we already talked about. Maybe it's something mm-hmm. that's going to hit you. What's one thing our listeners can do today to really start creating their comeback? Accept yourself for who you are. Give yourself some grace. Mm. Like that's, if there's one thing I, I harp the most, it's give yourself some grace, you know, that's beautiful. You are who you are and you're going to be who you're going to be. <laughs> Mm. It seems so blasé, but it's true. Give yourselves, if you're a mess today, be a mess. Yeah. (laughs) You'll be, you'll be somewhere else tomorrow. Somewhere else tomorrow. That's so important. Oh, I love that. How can our listeners get more of you in their life, Nikki? Yeah, you will. (laughs) You can find (laughs) me. uh, My website is NikkiTheDeathDoula.com and all my social medias are linked there. You can find my podcast there as well, my Patreon. So yeah, you can find me through there. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all Nikki the Death Doula. Ah, you're amazing. I'm so grateful for you. I have two closing questions if you'll humor me real quick. Absolutely. What's one thing that you love about you? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I was not expecting that. I love my compassion. I love that I can hold space and be compassionate for people while still maintaining myself. Mm, That's a beautiful quality to love about yourself. And then the last one is, what does joy feel like in your body? Oh, joy feels like dancing. I'm not a dancer. I'll put that up there first thing. But when I'm feeling the most joyful, I I have to move. I feel bouncy. And joy feels like dancing to me. Mm. I love that so much. (laughs) I love that so much. Well, thank you you so much for your time, your energy, your expertise, all of you. Thank you for all of it. Appreciate you so, so much. Thank you for having me. So welcome. And to everybody else tuning in, remember you are loved, you are worthy, you are enough. Go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would, take a quick screenshot and share it now or leave a five-star review so this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting. Drop me a DM at Your Divorce Planner or go to yourdivorceplannerhub.com to start coordinating your comeback today. You can even schedule a free connection call to dive into your desires and understand how partnering with Your Divorce Planner will be a game changer for your next chapter. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember, you are loved, you are worthy, you are enough. Take care.